In today's episode, we're speaking to Miriam Shulman. She is an artist, an author, and host of the podcast, The Inspirational Place, which is listened to more than 100 countries around the world and is in the top 1% of podcasts globally. She is also the founder and the creator of the Artist Incubator Coaching Program, generating annual revenues in the high six figures. The program helps creatives grow a thriving business. Let's back to let's speak to Miriam and find out how she changed her life by changing her mindset. Let's find out. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame, and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession, or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Gul Khan, your money mindset expert. And today I'm so excited. We have the beautiful, the charming, the wonderful, and absolutely fantastically talented Mariam Shulman. Welcome, Mariam. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. It's I'm so excited about having this conversation. Now, Mariam, everyone's heard your intro. They know how fabulous you are, but please, in your own words, tell everybody what it is that you do. Okay, so I've been a professional artist for about 20 years, and I just came out with the book Artpreneur, which basically gives away all the secrets of how I built a sustainable business. There's the shortest version possible of what I do. Awesome, awesome. So let's talk about your journey, um, Mariam. I mean, being an art, being an artist and entrepreneur, it's just those two things are very, very difficult to combine. I know entrepreneurs are usually creative, but most artists are not great entrepreneurs. Talk us through your journey. How did it all start for you? And how did you end up being at this moment in time? Okay, so ever since grade school, I did want to be an artist. I saw myself as an artist. But I was told that I should be a doctor or a doctor's wife, or I would be a big disappointment to my family. Oh, yeah. Okay. And and I think a lot of us have heard things like that. Maybe engineer would be acceptable. So that is the route I took. I, I majored in engineering. And because I graduated college with a mountain of debt, I came from a single parent household. My father had passed away when I was only five years old. I looked around and says, okay, where are they making the most money? It wasn't engineering. It was on Wall Street. So that's what that's how I ended up on on Wall Street working for a very big trading firm. Wow. Okay. And how long did that last then? Well, I was there for quite some time. I rose through the ranks, found myself at a very big, a very big not all hedge funds are small, but a very famous hedge fund that blew up in 1998. And so I took some time off and after 9-11 happened, I took that as a sign from the universe not to go back to Wall Street. Okay. You know, there's nothing like seeing that visual of it burning to the ground because I had just been that fall fantasizing about going back to work and what would that be like? Mm -hmm. And here this big cataclysmic event happened. So that was a wake up call for me. I think that many people through the pandemic have had similar wake up calls. People 
whenever there is a crisis, either something on a global scale or a personal crisis, like somebody loses a family member, they go through a similar process where it asks themselves those existential existential questions. What is my purpose and what is giving me meaning in my life? And so that's what happened to me. And I was like, I can't go back to that world. But I just want you to go back a little bit. For someone who's been, who's an artist at heart, how did you sort of survive in Wall Street? That is a, especially in the 90s, and still is, I suppose. I mean, I don't know I'm much about it now. But it, it's a very cutthroat, very misogynistic place. And being a female, an attractive one like that, how and you know and being an artist how, how did you survive in that sort of toxic I think if I can call it that is toxic oh absolutely toxic I mean that's something that I I talk about in my book artpreneur um, I call it break free of the golden handcuffs what happens is the more money you make the harder it is to leave um, those situations and some of the things I describe you talk about the misogyny and the sexism and the sexual harassment, a lot of the things that happen, it's very similar to how predators groom their victims. They are grooming corporate workers with bonuses. They are grooming you with all these things that allow you to tolerate increasingly levels of abuse, of professional abuse. And one of the things that was a, a big thing for me when I first started working there and it was 1993. And that was when the World Trade Center was bombed. Most people forget about this because it's been so overshadowed by the events of 9-11. Yeah. There was a bombing of the World Trade Center. And I was working there at the time. And they didn't tell us what was happening. So my friend and I were actually in the cafeteria. The lights went out. The elevators weren't working. But they didn't tell us, don't go upstairs. So, all right. So we walked. 30 something flights of stairs back to our desk. And we went, when we got back up to that floor, we could see out of the windows what was really happening. We could see the tower that had been bombed with the smoke coming out. People were breaking the windows, helicopters were circling. And we didn't have cell phones in that, in those days, but that's when we found out the truth about what was happening. But all my coworkers were still working. Wow. Oh my goodness. That is the culture of Wall Street. And that's why when 9-11 happened, when that first plane hit the tower, you'll recall that the nearby buildings were not evacuated. Mm, No, they weren't. Because the culture was you keep working, even if there's a terrorist attack. Wow. Okay. So when 9-11 happened, I was like, I had just been in that situation where I was in the belly of the whale and I could see, you know, what would have happened to me. I could have been that person in that second tower mm. whose company didn't evacuate the building. Mm. I mean, that's it, it. That causes all sorts of PTSD and all sorts of issues in, in exactly. itself. And people don't realize the amount of the amount of abuse that females do encounter um, or did encounter, I, I, I keep saying, I don't know how different things are in today's day and age. So I cannot make a comment on today's day and age. I mean, I, I come from the banking and finance sector myself. I saw it, but I was never, I, I, I've always been a very fortunate. I, I don't wear the hijab anymore. I did wear the hijab back then. 
And I was fortunate in one way that I was never the subject of sexual harassment or sexual jokes. If anything, I got a lot of respect. However, I was never promoted. I was never pushed ahead. I was always the, I always got the most shittiest work. Um, I well, you know I was never part of the group. I was never promoted as such. So I got everything and I got the respect kind of. But when I look back and I I used to work ten times harder than everybody else in 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 the in the department of the group. I don't remember once being praised or once being um, accommodated as such. I was just you know and I was given all the mediocre really rubbish work. And I was I was happy to do it you know because I wasn't part of the the gang so to speak. So it worked hand in hand. I did, I saw what was happening and I wasn't ready to do that kind of, I wasn't allowed, you know, because I never drank anyway. I wouldn't, I wasn't happy going to drinking and doing the, just hanging out and being flirty with people. But then I also paid for it in the kind of work I did and and the lack of promotion. So, okay, well, let me just put your mind to ease or perhaps the other way around, depending on how you're going to take this. So at my first job, I was the subject of a lot of jokes and they didn't happen at the drinking parties. They happened on the job, on the job. Wow. And it, it was really bad. So mm-hmm. when I, I left that position to go to the hedge fund because they were a nerdier group of people yeah. and I was promised a more managerial role. So when I got there, the manager, the the person who was kind of my either he was supposed to be my equal, but he he clearly did not want that to happen. So he didn't harass me, but he made sure that man- managerial role never materialized. Mm-hmm. So I've gotten it from, from both, both sides. Okay. That's great. So it has yeah. nothing to do with like how we act. It is all about power. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Again, empowering I, women. Absolutely. It was, it, it really is. And I, and well, not well, just I, women, so I can also let's just go there for a minute. It was about people who weren't white. So oh, yeah. um, both managers in each of my jobs was a Chinese man because they didn't let the Chinese men trade. Hmm. You know, that was for white men. Hmm. You know, occasionally we had an, we there, you know, so the Asian men were usually put into the back office and the research roles. And and it was their frustration, I think, that made them the the biggest bullies of the of us women who worked for them well i mean i i mean i saw a lot of racism again my experience of the corporate world is at least 15 years old so that's this is why i always put it with a pinch of salt things i'm hoping things have moved on from there yeah i don't know that it's changed much i mean especially in the u.s it's if anything we've gone backwards really i i would have thought in uk because it's quite a lot it's very progressive and we see quite a lot now uh, women who are women of color and women who wear the hijab with the rise of Islamophobia, so, you know, going into into higher level corporate positions, which was unheard of in women in my time. Um, and unless you know you're you're whiter than you know you're whiter than white kind of thing, you know, you you look brown but you were white and drinking and everything else. Anyway, coming back to this idea of holding your own and just being your own person and not allowing others to dictate to you how you live your life. You chose to give up that after 9-11. How did you, and then what do you do after that? Because I mean, 9-11, I mean, uh, you know, it, it, I know it was a major, had major impact on most people's lives, but you weren't, up until that moment, you're used to having a stable day-to-day monthly income, which is a big factor for most corporate employees. This is what one thing that the handcuffs you talk about that locks people in, they need to have that certainty. 
How did you break those golden handcuffs? How did you break free from that prison? I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you want to learn more about my mindset strategies and energy tools to help you change your money mindset, then please register for my Abundance Mindset Makeover Workshop by visiting www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com. See you inside the workshop. Okay, so I, I try to like condense the narrative and then 9-11 happened and that was it. So I was working for this hedge fund that blew up and I was invited to stay on, mm -hmm. but that is when my soul was dying. It was not when I was doing the work. When I was doing the work, I was in the busyness, I was mm -hmm. in the intellectualism of the problem solving, and I, I, on, I enjoyed my work on that intellectual level of what I was mm -hmm. doing. And I'm sure you can relate to this. Yeah. But when I was working for the hedge fund, with when I was collecting a salary, but not doing anything for that, mm -hmm. that's when I didn't have the busyness to distract me. I was basically going in for, for the abuse, you know, but without any of the intellectualism and my days lacked meaning. So I, I took an extended maternity leave. I mean, I, I formally did quit that job. But in my mind, I thought I would go back. Right. So when 9-11 happened, it's like, no, no, we're not going back to that. And I still didn't believe I could make a living as an artist. I was painting. I was starting to sell my artwork, but I didn't believe that I could replace what I did before or make a sustainable living from it. So what I did was I also took a job as a Pilates instructor. Okay. And what happened is when I took the job for the gym, their profit centers are the instructors who sell personal training packages. All those upsells are what, uh, how they, how the gyms really make a lot of money. And once I was given those skills of selling and marketing, I thought, oh, I, I'm not going to do it for the gym. I can do it for myself for, mm. for selling portraits. So that is what changed everything for me. And that's when I really dug in hard to my art and selling it and making a living. I love that. So you took a skill set, which you didn't think you needed um, by just you know, going and starting on doing a supplementing income that to you know, supplementing income that you were making from your art, from your passion. And during that, um, that part-time phase, you picked up a skill that you could apply to your main profession, which was, your, you know, art. And then actually, you know, bloom that into a full-time income. That's pretty much what you did, which is amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Now, now, looking back in hindsight, that's what you did. What was going through your mind when you were going through it? How do you deal with, you know, lack of stable income? Or did you have a partner who supported you? What? How did you, because the thing is, let's be real, money is a very, very important thing. If you don't have money to pay your bills, to pay your food, um, you literally, you, you know, that's the, the number one stress factor and it will make you, you know, stay awake at nights and, you know, and go back, unfortunately, go back into employment. So how did you give yourself that freedom to be able to learn a separate skill and eventually bring your income up to the level? But it took some yeah. time. Yeah. How do you do so that? Throughout my marriage, I always made more money than my husband up until okay. the time I left Wall Street. Okay. And when I... Let, made the decision to leave Wall Street, I had set aside money that I would be able to supplement that gap. Mm -hmm. And I also paid down our mortgage to supplement that, that gap. 
we sold our second car to also. So we there was like I had basically when I wanted to leave my job, I had a PowerPoint presentation for my husband ready. I mean, not literally, but, you know, I had actually I did have a spreadsheet of like, this is how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to get there. Mm -hmm. So I did create that parachute for myself that I know I had the luxury to do that most people don't. Most people have to do their their side or passion at the same time. And I did not. So I made it clear, but there was that point where that money would have run out. Yeah. If so, I had some money set aside, that money would have run out. My husband is not on wall street. So he does something more socially conscious. He's, you know, the socially conscious partner and his, his Sally was never what my, my mind was. Hopefully he's not listening. He doesn't like when I, just, when I say things like that. But so come back to this point. This is important to remember. If you have a desire to break free from your corporate handcuffs, then you need to have a plan in motion. And this is what you did. You didn't just go outside one day and jump off the building. No, you said, okay, no. I need to plan. And therefore you built yourself a parachute. And therefore when you jumped off the building, you're able to glide down rather than fall flat, to, flat on your face, which exactly. is what a lot of people think and are afraid of doing. So what I'm hearing is, if you have a desire to leave your corporate um, job or your corporate handcuffs, how you want to see it, then you need to make a decision. You need to find out the timing. I mean, that you you were given the nine eleven, but you know, at times it could be some major event, or you can put a time two years time, and then those two years time, you need to build yourself a parachute, like you said. A yeah, financial in fact. One. I used the metaphor parachute, but as you're talking, the image that more came to mind was in the Shawshank Redemption, how yeah. he tunneled out of the jail cell. Yeah. Like that wasn't just a one a one day decision. He had been working on that for a while. So, you know, to bring and there was a plan. He had a plan in place of exactly yeah. what he was going to do. I think this is so important because a lot of times our, our fears overtake our ability to think ahead. And if you don't do something different, five years down the line, you're going to be in the exact same position. So it's better for you to plan something which may take five years, but at least in five years time, you'll be somewhere where you want to be, not exactly where you are. So thinking maybe I should do something different. I think that's the lesson that, that's coming through very clearly from, from what happened with you. And I just want to go back to your understanding of sales. You've never been in sales before, or were you when you were doing on Wall Street? Were you selling on Wall Street? No, I wasn't in a sales position. I was a computer programmer. But one of the skills that I did pick up while I was there, um, after my first year there, I realized when it came time for the bonuses that they really didn't know what I had done. Mm. Like I had been relying on my managers to tell them, mm. well, the managers are making themselves look good. So the second year I was there every month, I put together, you can almost think of this in terms of like a newsletter of everything that I had accomplished each month to keep myself kind of like, I was like marketing myself to my bosses. Mm. So there was an element of marketing that I used when I was working on Wall Street and I and I used a lot of visibility. I made sure that I went to the 7 a.m. global meeting that they had, which meant I had to get on a 6 a.m. train to get downtown in time. So I put myself in these situations where I was very visible to people and 
they knew exactly who I was and exactly what I did by the end of the year. So those types of skills, those visibility skills, those marketing skills, that's something I actually still use. Like that mm-hmm. is the whole point of like why you email your customers every week is to keep keep them in front of you, mm-hmm. keep keep you in front of them. Yeah, I think this is, but it's such a vital skill to learn because we do need to market ourselves. Unfortunately, I think the schooling that we've had, especially here in the UK, and I'm sure other parts of the world too, is you don't talk about your accomplishments. You don't talk about your achievements. It's seen as boastful. Whereas I think we need to celebrate them and to sometimes, especially if we're in the corporate environment, we need to highlight to people what is that we are contributing, how we are contributing. If it's not seen by the other side, I think in a smaller SMEs and smaller corporations, it's easier because it's the few members and everybody has designated tasks and everyone knows what the other person's doing. So we can celebrate and, and sort of, you know, uh, encourage each other. But in a large corporation where there are so many different, you know, departments and so many things, different things happening, you do need to market yourself. And it's a skill that I think a lot of people lack, which I'm glad that you achieved. But, as the, as the universe works in mysterious ways, that skill helped you in your sales capacity, right? Because that allowed you to go ahead and use additional skills learned from that um, that gym um, job that you had, and then combine those two together to sell your art to people because you can promote yourself and you're able to promote your and sell your um, art to a premium client and therefore build a very profitable business. That seems to be the journey in a nutshell. Am I right? Yeah, that's correct. Awesome. 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 Well, thank you so much for sharing your amazing journey with us, Miriam, today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Tell us, Miriam, what would be your parting thoughts for someone who's sitting in their job at the moment, whether it's toxic or not, let's leave it to one side, but they may have a passion for something else like you had for art. And they've, they've done their, you know, um, their time at their, at their current job. And they've been there for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And they think it's about time they moved into something else. What would your advice be to that individual? Okay. So as humans, we've all evolved for survival, not goal achievement. And part of that brain's survival mechanism is whenever we want to think about doing something new or uncomfortable, we get afraid and we are going to come up with all the reasons why changing is a bad idea, especially Smart, smart people, smart women, the smarter you are, the more creative you are, the better you're going to be at coming up with those stories. So, but what I want to remind people is so our brains have evolved to keep us from leaving the cave and getting eaten by a tiger. What I want to remind people, because you asked me, people who may still be in a job, is that there are dangers in the cave. So don't forget about the snakes mm-hmm. that are in the cave with you. So sometimes there's a danger in staying the same and not leaving that cave and taking those risks that you're thinking about. So give yourself equal airtime to think about the dangers of staying. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us, Miriam. Miriam, tell us, how can we connect with you? Where can we find you on the internet? Okay. So if you liked what you heard today, you can find me on the Inspiration Place podcast and all the places that you're listening to the Money Mindset podcast. And if you want chapter one of my book, absolutely free, you can go to shulmanart.com forward slash believe. It's choose to believe. And it's all about choosing to believe in your dreams. Awesome. Fantastic. If you're listening to us on, on a podcast, remember that the link that uh, Mariam has just mentioned will be in the show notes. 
And if you're watching us on YouTube and down below in the description section, you will have her links to go check her out. And I think um, she's worth, you know, worth the investment. At least, you know, go and check out her book. Or at least go and get the first chapter and to see, get a taste of what the book's like. And um, you never know, you may fall in love with her as I have. And you may want to go and get the book too. Well, thank you so much today, Maria, for being such an amazing guest. We have to have you back on Money Talkies, but thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to me and Mariam today on Friday Feature. I will be back with another amazing guest on finding out how they change their life by changing their mindset. Until the next time, this is Gul Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website www.gulkhan.com and if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop and if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money then go and get my book Laws of Money from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.